<clears throat> Hello, universe. It is 11.44 on the 16th of February, 2022. And, uh, yeah. So many lies. So, so many lies. You know, not, not, not everything that, um, is terrible in this world results from something having been hidden secreted away lied about whatever when I think about why I've really lived shamefully since that um, drunken night my freshman year the shame is more in the cowardice expressed in dodging the comeuppance of the ugliness of the moment that I created. If you look away, maybe the ugliness will fade. No, if you look away, you are just turning what was a moment of terrible decision-making into a true sign of weak character but he can only repair your character by showing strength in adversity when it shows itself again. But <clears throat> I still um, still don't expect to be forgiven for actions that in the moment were clearly below board and yet, I was unable to um, to take that situation and show a, even a shred of integrity in the moment, which I do believe today I would have the wherewithal to refrain. But again, you are what you are in your actions, not in what you predict you're capable of doing. But I guess that's kind of a weird but appropriate transition to thinking about what you're capable of doing. And um, I said I had to admit to what I consider to be the worst of my actions because And visiting this particular event, I, uh, I, I am broken. This one breaks me. And it breaks me for good reason. Because the idea that this is invalid is monstrous. It's, it is beyond faking the moon landing. It is monstrous. So, well, could I have been monstrous? Yeah, I could have. Obviously, I was. On some nights, I was downright monstrous. And yet, this monstrosity took years to coordinate. 
And, you know, I, I was, you know, you know, you know, do you know? Because you know, if you want to know, you know, here's what you should know. The, the statement that I was ready to become a thief. <laughs> well, let me explain that one a little bit. Um, when I was a kid, there were these video game handheld systems called Mattel Electronic Football, Mattel Electronic Baseball, Mattel Electronic, I think basketball, football two, baseball two, I'm not even sure how far they took that thing, but there were a few of them. And they were the hot ticket if you were 8, 9, or 10 years old in the mid-70s to late-70s. So, um, boy, did I ever want more than, I think, the one I had, or two. I might have had two. I certainly had at least one, but I, and I might have had two. Or my sister had one, or who knows. But um, my friend James had a few of them, um, three or four if I remember right. He had more than me, for sure. And, <clears throat> you know, what's funny is that these things were stacked at Target, the department store, um, on a corner display, just available, boxes of them. They were just right there. And just like Atari cartridges or other things, you know, readily available to just be taken into a cart, walked up to the front, paid for, and taken home. Not behind a counter locked up like they are today or any of that nonsense. Nope, these things were sitting out as if they were oranges in the produce department at the supermarket. They were there to be sniffed and savored for their, oh, so plasticky perfection. And as a eight, nine, ten-year-old who had recently been um, introduced to the world of petty theft and shoplifting. Another um, phenomenon crossed my mind at this time, and that phenomenon was that of a secret admirer. This, to me, was phenomenal, that there was such a thing as somebody who could be secret but be admiring you. And, okay, so here comes my little 9, 10-year-old scheming brain thinking, well, hold on a second here. Who's to say that I don't have a secret admirer? I'll bet I have many. <laughs> or at least I'll bet nobody could tell me that I don't have one because they're secret. Yay. Case closed. Absolute perfection. The perfect Patsy is a secret admirer because you know what a secret admirer does? They give you gifts. So a secret admirer could admire me so much that they would give me a Mattel electronic football. Bam. Because if I could steal that Mattel electronic football somehow, well then, who's to say that my secret admirer didn't give it to me? This was my ingenious plan of how I was going to bring a Mattel electronic football into my life. I shit you not. I had this thought. Seriously. I worked it out enough that I actually rode my bike to Target one day to see what sort of challenge it would be to get 
the box home because the only thing I had that I could ride home was a bicycle. And I wanted to know if it would fit in my backpack because my backpack was small. The box seemed big. I wasn't sure. So <clears throat> I went to Target with my backpack to see if I thought the box would fit in my backpack. Now, I wasn't sure how I was going to coordinate getting it out of Target. This hadn't crossed my mind yet. And I had what I had understood was that um, because kids are kind of dumb, that I thought I could dumb my way around the store with it and then just walk out. I'm not shitting you. I had this was the plan. The problem was I didn't think I could coordinate that with my backpack because why wouldn't a kid have put it in their backpack instead of be walking around with it? So, so here I am at the ripe old age of 10 wanting this thing that I can't understand why I can't have because there's an abundance of them at Target. My friend James has one. Why can't I have one? And so since the world seems like it could give me one through this whole secret admirer um, hack, well, here I go. Now, fortunately, oh, and so how was I, how did I propose to have this gift arrive in said secret admirer form? My, my uh, inspiration here was to literally just, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get my microphone to sit outside my shirt. Maybe that's better, but I was trying to get my, I was going to, first of all, wrap it because secret admirers give gifts that are wrapped. So I was going to wrap it and then I was just going to leave it on my bed like Santa Claus. Because who's to say that my secret admirer didn't have the same secret power Santa Claus had to be able to get down the chimney and back out of the house and leave me a present just like Santa. I shit you not, this was my plan. And, um, and do you know what ended up being the, the stumbling block that kept me from trying to enact said plan? I really didn't think I could get it home on my bike. I didn't know how to solve that part, part of the problem. I had one of those like handlebar, monkey bar, I don't know, whatever, the big uh, banana bars, bike. And, uh, and so I didn't think I, I had a way to get it home. And I didn't think I could walk to Target and back. It was too far. So I gave up on the idea. It never once crossed my mind that my parents might be concerned that somebody had broken into our house, left me a wrapped present on my bed without waking me up, got back out of our house, locked it all back up, and then somehow that present is now a gift that is mine without questions asked. Because sometimes the worst part about coming up with a scheme is overlooking something stupidly obvious in the plan that now you have to come clean or what lie that your window was found open in the morning i mean now my parents think there's a burglar you know what i'm saying like once once you fucked up then i don't know i mean for so many times when i was caught lying i couldn't stop you know Another lie would come out. 
because I didn't want to admit that I had been caught in a less than noble circumstance. But I'll tell you what, anybody out there with lies in your life, if you're caught, that's the one time you can come clean. If you compile a lie on top of that lie, well, first, that's all going to crumble eventually because notice you've already been caught. You've, you're already suspected for being a liar. If you lie again, now the, the target of that lie has double the incentive to figure out if that one's a lie too. You're only shoveling a deeper hole in which to fall. So, as a liar, as a recovering liar, as a, as a, as a committed and convinced compulsive liar in my past, I know a lot about scheming and covering up for schemes going on that are unraveling. These aren't good admissions. I don't pride myself on this. This is embarrassing, but it's true. And one of the things I'll say about when your schemes are unraveling, you get a look of panic that in the moment can't be hidden. Because even if you're ready for, say, 99 things out of 100 to get called and you kind of have a pat response ready to go, like you just worked out a bunch of the scenarios that could possibly go sideways, it's that one you didn't think of that somebody's going to ask about that's going to put the deer in the headlights look on your face. And <laughs> it's funny because I recognize the look. I recognize the change in tone of voice. I recognize the panic. I recognize the fuck. We didn't think about that response. I recognize the, hey, uh, you know what? I actually have to call you right back. I just got another call. Um, and this is a call I've been waiting for. But will you please hold on the line? Because I don't want you to go anywhere. That's a good point. I'll be right back. Pause to go gather your shit to figure out what the fuck you're going to say to somebody who just brought up a point you hadn't even thought of. I know all those moves. <sighs> so when I see them in play, of course I wonder what you're hiding. Why are you lying? Why are you scheming? Why are you redirecting? Why are you taking basic questions and not answering them? Because you can't. Because you know the answers are horseshit. So, when this one broke me, it broke me because I honestly couldn't believe we were capable of this. And when I think about it now, I think, okay, wait. Obviously, we're capable of this. We did it. But it's, it's more, I think, I think somewhere in about 2005 or 2010, somewhere in that five-year gap, we started automating things like emergency responses, which makes sense, right? Like, who wants human beings with their frailty in the moment of biggest crisis, hurricane responses, tornado responses, whatever, who wants human beings and their, their trials and tribulations, foibles and frailties, making calls that a machine with algorithmic precision can make instead. I can see how that is 
a seductive line of entrapment for anybody who's truly in a position where those kinds of calls have to get made. If you're heading up the disaster relief team that is going to respond to a hurricane in Louisiana, well then having the kind of um, analytical um, backbone that some sort of algorithmic response software could create might be invaluable. I get all that. And so what I think started happening is I think we started creating crisis scenarios to help train our algorithmic masters. And I'm using some Aldous Huxley terms here, so I apologize, but let's just be generous, okay? The whole recording here today is going to require your generosity, so please continue to give it. Um, so I get, I get how maybe we, we started thinking we need some, we need some material to work with here to help craft the algorithms in response mode to give them, um, uh, vectors and variables on which to, uh, have decision-making, uh, moments in which to evaluate whatever's going on and provide the right advice, get everybody in the right activities, provide the right responses, et cetera, et cetera, right? Okay, so I even understand how perhaps we had a few of these created specifically to train the algorithm. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you'd, you'd want to, um, you'd want to uh, fake a scenario that involved children because, you know, God forbid we'd have to actually endure that, right? Wouldn't it be better to have some data pop in that came through scenarios of simulation? Well, it would. And I can see that argument. Hell yeah, I can see that argument. Okay. And I can see that argument across a variety of scenarios, not just ones with children. But my point is, Okay, so, so all of this is, is with the intention of having the sort of secure and responsive um, technology available to offset the worst moments and crisis situations that we endure as a species. All totally... Uh, not just sellable, but advantage human beings if this is something that we're actually successful doing. So, no arguments. I'm all for it. Um, what I'm not for is when you take that data set and extrapolate it across... Um, a non-simulated situation and present it as a reality that then tests the reaction of the participants who don't know they're playing in a game that's been simulated. There, you've crossed the line. Now, maybe you're saying, but if the simulation doesn't go live, if I'm not given the opportunity to test real reaction 
then what kind of simulation data am I actually gathering? If everything is simulated players simulating simulated situations, well then, when real scenarios occur, is the simulated data sufficient to provide real scenario data decision-making attributes that are viable? So, how about we just do a couple of these uh, operations in the face of an, an unknowing public engage real reaction to fake crisis. I can even see how that became part of the mission. I don't agree with it. As a matter of fact, that's where I would have drawn the line 100%. But I can see how the right division in the right department in the right underground section of the government decided, you know what? Yeah, 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 yeah. If we're going to get this thing done, well, we're going to have to take, you know, a few community members to the well and see what kind of water they want to drink. <clears throat> or throw in your other terrible cliche and go with it. Okay. So, what do we call these things? Well, it turns out we call them FEMA capstone events or exercises. And one such exercise was occurring, and I believe 100% is what happened in that little borough that I used to jog in called Newtown, Connecticut. Um, and I know I'm going to lose a lot of people right here who think I'm piling on to uh, uh, whimsical and, and uh, absurd uh, twisting of reality because there's no way that shit could be faked. Bullshit. It's impossible. You can't fake the deaths of 26 people, 27 counting the shooter himself. Okay. I, I, I mourned like the rest of the country. I literally... I mean, this broke me first because how could you? How could you? Who are you that could do this? Kill six-year-olds? <laughs> who, who are you? What kind of human stain are you? Your backstory must be horrific. Kill teachers, kill administrators, kill or principals, sure, whatever. But six-year-olds? <laughs> six-year-olds. <laughs> Locked in a closet, you could just open the door and blow them all away. You got that kind of hate inside you? Okay, you must be a monster. The greatest monster ever told. <laughs> right? No, turns out you're a ghost. You're a nobody. Nobody even knows you. Your neighbors don't even know you. Nobody knows you. You have no online presence. Nobody's spoken to you in years. Nobody can attest to being a friend of yours. There are very few pictures of you. You're a ghost. Well, that ghost had a 90 2% kill rate.
What do I mean? I mean, of the people injured that day, 28, 29 if you want to count one extraneous report. So I'll give you an 89% kill rate. There were 29 people injured, 26 of whom are dead. That is an 89% kill rate. He brought three, arguably four, arguably five, arguably six weapons into that school. And he injured 28 or nine people, killing 26 of them. How? How does an autistic, five foot 11, six foot one, 150 pound kid managed to carry that kind of weaponry with that kind of ammunition as if a soldier of fortune into a school of frantic six-year-olds with an 89% kill rate. How does he do it? There are Marines who retired at the top of their class when it came to their marksmanship, who couldn't come close to such a feat. So, and this is after killing his mother in her bed. For what reason? And, and how so cleanly? Have you seen the crime scene photo? Have you? Okay, now, <laughs> some of the absurdities that are undeniable. <sighs> what does something like this do to the people who experience it? It traumatizes the rest of their lives, right? This is, this is the event you never get over. This is the injustice, the fait accompli that you didn't deserve that totally destroys your life. I don't care who you are. Whether you were a parent who lost a child, you were a participant in the activities, I don't care who you are. If this was part of your experience, you are forever changed. And who was the initial 911 call? Well, there were two. There was the nurse and there was the custodian. Do you know the name of the custodian? His name's Rick Thorne. Why have you never had heard him interviewed? Do you know how many lives he saved that day? Okay, he's bashful. He never wants to be spoken to. He never wants to be contacted. That's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. So why does his story and his 911 call completely conflict with what the officers are saying happened when they broke when they came into the school? Why is there a disconnect between a 911 call and the official report? Why aren't why don't those sync up exactly? I want to know why No Flight for Life was, the, was called to the school. You're telling me 
the 26 dead bodies are inside that school sometime between the time of 9.35 and 9.47 when Adam Lanza supposedly shot himself. In those 12 minutes, everybody is dead. There is nobody that can be resuscitated. There is nobody that has just been put into a catatonic state. There's nobody that's been misdiagnosed as deceased who is not. In those 13 minutes, they have declared that everybody is dead. No EMTs entered the building. Can you tell me why? Why were no ambulances at the school? Why were they all at the firehouse? Why is the only victim seen in any footage a woman on a gurney pushed all the way from the school to the firehouse to get into an ambulance? Why? She had been shot. Why did nobody show up at Danbury Hospital to be treated? Not even a one dead child. Why were all of the dead children removed in the middle of the night? Why were none of the parents allowed to view their children? Instead, having to identify them through photographs. And why were several of the children not even identified by their parents, but were identified by law enforcement? Do you see how none of this equates to the, to the capacity of the event? If you have 40 parents who have just had their children murdered, they will storm the morgue for one more chance to squeeze their child's hand and say goodbye. Forty parents. And instead, they were doing interviews on CNN. Isn't that right, Robbie Parker? And bullshit, that's how parents act when they've just lost their kid. Are you telling me that they chuckle, get into character, have a mea culpa moment on TV that includes forgiving the killer of their child who they just lost yesterday? <laughs> okay, fine. Fine. I don't need you to believe them all. Jesse Lewis's story? The kid who saved the classroom full of boys or, and girls by saying run when the killer was reloading his gun? Hmm. Well, his story is more believable than the nurse's story, who also called Nancy Lanza the kindergarten teacher till they scrubbed that from the news. The nurse was huddled in a closet with one other administrator for four hours. They found her at 1.15. These are SWAT teams sweeping that school looking for victims, additional killers. Who knows, right? That's their job, to secure the premises. It took them four hours to find the nurse and the other administrator she was huddled in the closet with. Do you know how far away they were from the main uh, headquarters for the police inside the school? 25 feet. They were 25 feet away from where the police had set up the internal command center to start processing the crime scene.
and it took them four hours and 15 minutes to find them. <laughs> okay. No flight for life. No EMTs in the building. No ambulances at the school. The kind of incompetence in a, in a SWAT sweep, two SWAT sweeps, that misses the nurse in a closet 25 feet away from where they're setting up their primary headquarters. But, on the bright side, before those nurses were found, porta potties were delivered. Somehow those made it all the way up to the school. You can see them in the photographs. Now, when people try to find out who ordered those porta potties and who delivered them, well, that information is not available. In fact, any such queries of anybody in the state of Connecticut leads to a harassment charge filed against you. Which you think, wait a second, why? Why can't, why can't, why is the information not available? Because you're being lied to. Because too many of those facts will start stacking up and showing how Swiss cheese this whole story is. Like, how does Caitlin Roy get her class into a four by four bathroom stall? All of them. The door opens into the stall. Explain that to me, geniuses. Because that's the story she goes with. That's the story we've been told. That's the story you can go watch on CBS Highlights right now. Go watch it. Figure out how she did it. Who's, who's running through the woods that the police are chasing in the helicopter video? Who is it? The time on that is 1240-something. Who is it? We've never known. In fact, they deny that it have even happened, even though it's plainly on video. <laughs> don't ask us that question. We don't want to answer it. Just like we certainly don't want to talk to you about all the money we're making. Okay, so if all of this happened, exactly as we're being told, in what way do the victims' compensation funds make any sense to anybody? Okay, so let's, let's express our grief and sorrow by sending all these people $5, $20 ducats, whatever, so that they can rebuild their lives and get past the pain and sorrow of this tragic event. Because that's who we are, right? We're giving people. We do nice things for people in pain. How much money is enough? Hundreds of millions of dollars have gone to these families. I want to know how much money is enough. I'm not being callous. I'm asking. How much money is enough? Just yesterday, 73 more million dollars from Remington. How much money is enough? Now, I'm not sure how much money is enough, but I certainly know that if you're going to ask for money, you shouldn't create those websites before the event. And I know you did that, and that was a major fuck up. Because, believe it or not, that's what caught my attention. Was an article I saw that said somehow all these Sandy Hook videos, memorial events, 
memorial sites um, and other entities online had been created before the date of the event itself. And there was a lot of proof of this. And, you know, at the time I worked as a digital marketing agent in a firm and our job was to make sure that we gamed the Google algorithm in whatever capacity was possible so that we could get people like a dentist in Tulsa to show up first for teeth whitening when you Googled that in Tulsa. So I knew quite a bit about how the Google algorithm worked. And in fact, had many, many test websites that I used to see what I could do to game and trick the algorithm because frankly, you didn't want to do that on a client site for fear that you would get it banned from listing, etc. So what would be considered gray hat or even black hat tactics were a regular part of my job uh, 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 variants. What does any of this mean? Well, what it really means is that I know exactly what a Google cache date does. It's a time when Google's uh, spiders algorithmically update their, um, their uh, database to reflect the current state of your website. They also mark this cache date to reflect something has changed on your website. And these cache dates were manipulatable to a certain extent to try to get Google to think your page had more activity than say a competitor's page. Well, we would frequently use text widgets and other things to constantly look like we had a dynamic page that was changing to get Google's algorithm to come back and recache us frequently. The more you got cash, the more prestige you could build, the more prestige you could build, the more, uh, higher your ranking, yada, yada, yada. So what does this have to do with what happened in Newtown? Well, what it has to do with what happened in Newtown is this. You may be able to fake a Facebook page. You may be able to go back and rework that. Although the Victoria Soto RIP account that was created on December 11th is, again, how did you create the account? And no, Victoria Soto was RIP if December 11th is three days before she was shot dead? I don't know. That I don't know. But I certainly know you didn't create that account and then change it because it was created as Victoria Soto RIP before it was removed when it was found. I don't know about that stuff on Facebook. But I do know that you can't create a page on unitedway.com and get cached in the Google index without it being on the actual date. Anything else is bullshit. And so when I saw this, and what's funny is at the time when this emerged, even Google engineers were admitting that cache dates were in, they, they're, uh, they are unmanipulatable unless you can somehow get into the Google index itself and change data within the Google indexing structure itself. Your cache date is based exactly on the time the index indexes your page. It's a stamp, period. And you can't get a stamp to go back in time. The stamp exists when the Google cache index updates. So the women uh, law enforcement agency that had their memo go out on the 10th, the tweets that went out uh, the morning of, two hours before the event, the United Way sites, the, uh, the, what other, 
online entities. I could name more. But the fact is, these things are where they fucked up. Somebody just built the United Way page ahead of time, not thinking that the, the date created and the date published are two separate dates that both get logged. Whoops. These were the times when the internet was still pretty wide open. They hadn't clamped down yet. You could still watch videos about this event on YouTube, which you no longer can. In fact, just speaking about this event, as I am, fairly openly, that I think it's a mockumentary, is putting me in jeopardy. Because this is not tolerated. You are not allowed to question the fact that there are all these questions about this event. You are, you are vilified as somebody who is dragging these poor families through mud that they don't deserve to be dragged through. Their lives are hard enough. How dare you? Well, I couldn't agree more. How dare I? Look at all these doubts, concerns, and unanswered questions and think something fishy is going on here. Well, how dare you not? This is what I'm saying. Stop looking for a world that fits your view and start looking at the world that's out there. And to all of you who pulled this off, you, you didn't pull it off. You got caught. Now, have you managed to suppress all of the counter evidence, all of the counter opinion, all of the conspiracy theory nonsense, as you put it, down to Anderson Cooper's rejection of anything remotely resembling reasonable requests for information like Wolfgang Halbig has been making for years now? How dare you gaslight us like this? You got caught. You fucked up. Come clean. I don't care why you did this. I don't even care what you thought this would lead to, whether it was riches or some sort of framework of fulfilling Lucifer's wet dream. I do not care. I forgive you if you can find the path to righteousness that is coming clean so we can understand that this is what we're capable of. You owe us all that. This is the worst you've done. All of you. I'm sure you feel completely smothered by the weight of what you decided to participate in. Could I have said no to this plan? I don't know. Probably not. But I might have been kicked off the team for being too lousy an actor to have pulled it off. Why is it we never see any of the kids from this experience interviewed? Why is it that the ones that went to sing at the Super Bowl were never celebrated? Are you kidding me? A moment of ultimate healing for this community and they were put on a gag order. They're not even allowed to talk about having sung at the Super Bowl. 
They were never even recognized by the town council or the school board for their achievement. If, if you're still here and, you, and for whatever reason you think I'm just picking scabs off old wounds, well, have you seen the rehearsal tape? Did you know about that? Have you seen that? What about Gene Rosen's rehearsal with the cameraman? Have you seen that? Have you seen his 16 different versions of the same story? Does it make sense to you that a bus driver would take six distraught kids who've just experienced the murder of their teacher onto a school bus, run them around the school past the firehouse to Gene Rosen's front lawn and drop them off? Because that's the official story. Does it then make sense to you that this Gene Rosen would bring these kids into his house and for 15 to 20 minutes not uncover the fact that something was desperately wrong? Because that's the official story. Just like those, the nurse and the administrator sitting in the closet for four and a half hours, 25 feet away from the command center inside the school. Do you know when you're being lied to? How about the helicopter video? Where are all the kids being evacuated? Where are they? There were 400 to 600 kids in that school. Why do we only see a conga line of about 25 of them? And question, why are there two versions of that photo? Why are the kids in two different orders? Here, I'm just curious why Shannon Hicks, who photographed that photo, was allowed inside of a crime scene as kids were being evacuated from an active shooter? How is that even possible? And if that's not enough of a question mark, then have you seen the photo of her taking the photo with all the parents standing right around her with all their kids evacuating? WTF? How many lies do I have to accept? How many? <sighs> Do you have any idea that the narrative about why kids are there is because it's such an awesome school? Everybody moved to this little community because the school's so great, we want our kids there. Oh yeah? Well then, can you explain to me all the mold that we see in the photos of the school? Look at the videotape of that day. The roof is in horrific condition. Why is it that on December 14th, there aren't decorations across the windows for the holidays, like every other elementary school, especially one with such a great reputation like Sandy Hook? Why is there water damage in all of the interior photos, evidence photos, across the baseboard of the school. It looks like the whole school was flooded three inches. Why are there classrooms stacked with moving boxes? This is the school of such high reputation. Why is the, what, the, the, the back door exit wasn't even handicap compliant, nor was the parking lot. How can a school of such high reputation not even be 
up to code for the handicap. How many lies? So when a school safety consultant with so much uh, experience in this particular uh, uh, <laughs> um, situation starts questioning why certain things aren't lining up. He's told by the police to quit, quit harassing. The questions he's asking are harassment. He's asking questions like, well, can I just see the food delivery bills for the school from September to November? Can I see the requisitions put in in August for uh, internet or phone services or whatever budget allocation you have for repairs to the school? Where are these documents? FOIA denied, FOIA denied, FOIA denied, FOIA denied. Why do you deny those? Because they don't exist. So then, there must be some record somewhere. What do you find? You find a food delivery record going to Sandy Hook Elementary that is in fact being delivered to Chalk Hill School. But the record is that Sandy Hook is paying and that these are Sandy Hook children getting food at the Chalk Hill Middle School. Ha ha ha. Well, that doesn't raise any questions. That's just a mistake in our accounting. Oh, well. Okay, then can we at least go back and look at some of the old website pages from the school, say from 2011, 2010, 2009? Oh, there, there aren't any. There's, there's no, the website was dormant? Oh, oh yeah, you, you lost your hosting or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I would say as a liar who has realized, oh shit, we should have mocked up a fake website for the school instead of the fact that it's been closed for three years. <sighs> Who cleaned up the blood? Why is that not public? Why can't I find that out? Why? Why am I not allowed to know that? And why did the people who do that have to sign a... Uh, a cease and desist order, whatever it is, a notice of, of top secret non-talkie-talkie. They're not allowed to talk about what they saw. Why? Because it'll be too stressful for the community to know what we're capable of doing. Why are there Photoshop photos with the kids? Why are there so many question marks about the kids? Yeah, that stuff about them singing at the Super Bowl seems ludicrous, but go look at the photos. It's fucking bullshit. And that R.I.P. Victoria Soto account on Facebook has a commentary stream on December 11th, December 12th, December 13th. How'd they fake that? How does Adam Lanza have his brother's current ID on him? when they haven't seen each other in over two years. How's that possible? Why don't we know? Why isn't that something that got answered? Do you know there was a FEMA disaster drill going on that very same day in that very same part of Connecticut? 
and that that FEMA disaster drill was drill L366, planning for the needs of children in disasters. Why did Governor Malloy say that he and his team had been prepared for something like this possibly happening in their area? What the fuck was he talking about? Seriously, what was he talking about? <sighs> Why did the legislature in the state of Connecticut pass a law in 2011 that forbid the disclosure of pediatric death records of children who died that's, that is public record for a reason. These types of deaths are important to be accurately assessed by the community at large because they're devastating. There can be no schadenfreude in these episodes. So why is this episode laden with schadenfreude? When you fuck up your scheme, you leave a trail of dusty, questions that nobody can answer without giving up the scheme. So what do you do? Well, you start scrub scrubbing all this information from the internet. Now you can find verification on everything I have stated. None of what I have stated is questionable. It is all verifiable. And I'm only giving you one third of the pile of evidence against this event having gone down the way we've been told it went down. And so here I am, laying bare the fact that I am now someone who believes that what happened in Newtown, Connecticut that day was an exercise that was promoted as a live event to test the reaction of the community at large to such a devastating activity. I don't know that kids didn't die. I have no idea on the extent of what happened that day. I just know we're being lied to about it. Now why? What's the motivation here? Why is somebody treating this event with so much concern that it is literally radioactive material to speak about? What is this event so critical for? Well, I can't answer that question because when I thought some distraught kid had walked into an elementary school with the kind of military equipment that could destroy the lives of 20 children in nine minutes, I was broken. But when I found out that somebody could use this scenario as a case in which to test the psychology of the nation, well... Uh, I guess in some ways I knew exactly who the enemy was, for it was me. I could see myself in that mirror. I knew that if I had gone down the darkest paths I could have followed, I'd have somehow figured a reason that this was acceptable. This is so far from what your humanity is here to have you do 
that I can barely come to terms with forgiving you for what you've done here. But knowing that I could have been the progenitor of a scheme as nefarious and dark-sided as this means I can't not forgive you. I have to. Because in some chunk of my soul, I understand how this all came to be. But you have to understand, this is the end. This is the end of all of it. All of it comes clean now. Or we will have a fight to make that which has become so covered up, so hidden and so dirty, exposed. So I beg of you, if I can tell you about what destructive activity I am capable of in my worst moments, then believe me when I say that I will forgive you as long as you will come clean with the same level of integrity regarding yours. There's no other excuses here. You're a human being with an eternal soul. It's time to start showing it.